This is Danielle. This is Nicole. And this is Jean. It's a podcast to magically disappoint your parents. Hello Hi. out there. Hi. Um, glad we could spend another Friday night together. How about some fan mail time? <laughs> fan mail, fan mail. Um, so we've been making podcast friends and like in podcasts um, and us decided to swap some trailers. So I'm going to play the trailer for the first time for the Bruja Baddies co-host and they'll let you know what they think and why we should tune into like in podcasts. Mabuhay. My name is Christine and I'm a Filipina-German podcaster based in the UK. I host a podcast called Lagim. Lagim is a Filipino word for dread or terror, but don't worry, the podcast is all in English. Every two weeks, I feature infamous and also lesser-known true crime stories from the Philippines. So find Lagim on any of your preferred podcasting platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Just type Lagim Podcasts into the search bar, that is L-A-G-I-M, and then Podcasts, and get ready for some true crime stories, Filipino style. Ooh, y'all, y'all into it? What will you think about our friend Legumes? I'm interested. Like, I'm not really a true crime person, but this is the representation. (laughs) (laughs) You're right about that. What about you, uh, Daniel? Um, Are you a true crime fan? On the other hand, I am a true crime podcaster. (laughs) Um, I love true crime. And also... um, when um when christine said that uh she is filipino german i was just like ah that's a sound good yeah <laughs> oh my god man you were full of surprises um i will be listening to uh christine's podcast in the daytime because whenever i seem to get into true kinds it's always at night before bed and i'm and then you see up. the mananangal uh, like in the corner <laughs> no <laughs> Um, moving along with some of our other fan um, announcements and fan mail. So you Instagram user cream in a coochie. Did I say that right? Um, has a little announcement for our Bruja Baddies community. Hi loves. I'm taking wild stabs, stabs at any Philippine X hubs I can. If there's any chance that you have other Philippine X drag kings in your circles, could you point them my way? I feel like there's only three, including me. I wanted to make a Philippine X-centered digital drag show, but it's looking sparse. Wait, what do y'all think of that? I can't believe that this is going to be Gene <laughs> foray into drag kingery. Yes. Oh my I'm goodness. Kidding. I'm kidding. Drag I, royalty. I feel like there's one in Vegas. Who? I don't know their name. We need I, to connect them. Okay. I mean, yes, it's labor on our part, but still, like... I mean, attention, local, Philippinex, mm-hmm. draggies. <laughs> I would love to see this drag show. I want to see... Bruja draggies! Bruja draggies! Bruja... Oh, okay. You know what? If we are going to do a Bruja draggies, I would like to uh, volunteer to be put in drag. Ooh... I'll have to give Cream and Akuchi uh, our... You say volunteer like you don't want to do this or like, mm, I guess if no one shows up, I'll do it. Mm. 
Well, I, well, see, I also don't know how to put makeup on myself. Me I neither. Tried, neither. I, I tried and I looked like Play-Doh. So. Who, would, who would be our um, makeup person to help us out? We'll put the feelers out for that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of feelers. Take notes, everybody. And lastly, our usual listener who loves to give us affirmations, Gabe Oliveros, on our Language Barriers episode. Um, Just finished the new episode of BB. Enjoyed it very much. Wow. Sounds fake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all for um, fan mail and fan announcements. Uh, So it's been a whirlwind of well, a couple of weeks. Um, let's do a check-in. Jean, how are you? Um, okay, I'm gonna be real. Cause I just feel like, you know, in the pandemic, everyone thinks that there should be some kind of like um, Cinderella transformation. So I wanna straight up say, I've gained weight this week, month, year, years, you know, and I've been on a mental health journey of unlearning shame surrounding values assigned to body size. So it's been a total trip. Um, I told a friend, And I know that they've intended to be supportive, but I think deep down they felt bad that I gained weight or like pitied me. And I just want to like respond in love and say that I love them for being helpful and just overall accepting. But at the end of the day, I feel super aligned with my mind, body and spirit and my chub. So um, I measure now like my feelings of stress that have lessened and, you know, less harmful ideations to myself and how um, less uninhibited I feel when I eat to like real good health overall. So um, that's my check-in. I'm feeling myself. That's all. Yay. Thanks. Thanks for sh- like sharing that because I think a lot of people, um, there's a lot of fat shaming that happens mm-hmm. in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is like, um, like it's, I don't know, is it radical? It's like, I don't know. It's like a cool celebration of the self when you don't give into um, like these not really realistic. Right. Especially in the pandemic. Yeah. 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 It's like, we haven't seen you in a year. You should look like Sarah Michelle Gellar or something. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like some like. Whoa, you turn into a white woman? (laughs) (laughs) You skinny white woman? What? That's weird. So that's me. Um, How about you, Daniel? Um, so I've been making money moves and just waiting, waiting on decisions, you know. Um, so I applied for a full-time library position. Um, so everyone cross your fingers, uh, send some energy out into the universe because um, I really want this gig because that's what I want to be like long-term in the future forever um, to be a librarian. Also, shout out to Philippinex librarian Jude who helped mm-hmm. me with this application. <laughs> Um, they have been definitely super helpful and hopefully they um, put in some few good words in the library district because I want this job. Um, <laughs> and also um, teacher life. Um, I'm back in person. Um, and honestly, and a little weird, like I actually like being back in person. Cause like, I mean, like I like having one-to-ones face-to-face conversations with my students. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, <laughs> had a lot of students who like ghosted me this whole year mm-hmm. that like just didn't do any work and then and then they came into my classroom and the first thing I told them was like who are you and they said their <laughs> name and I'm like okay cool so you're you've been the person who haven't turned in any assignments and like mister you know I'll turn it in I, I promise and they delivered so I was just oh, like wow. I think it's just that, like face-to-face that really needed to happen um then on the fun side of my life um so I've been 
kind of trying to implement like date nights into um, mine and my okay. partner's life. Mm -hmm. So um, we have plans to make homemade pizza. We have plans to make homemade tiramisu because I know we're going Italian. Um, but I also have plans to make homemade Pokemon <laughs> card postcards because I have a lot of extra post, uh, extra Pokemon card things from McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Thank what about, you. What about you, Nicole? How are you doing with those Pokemon cards? <laughs> so we went to or we got McDonald's today, and sadly, no more Poke cards. But you bought them all. <laughs> I didn't, though. This okay. is a crisis. I just feel terrible from eating all that food. Um, um. But on the upside, Riot Toys. Um, but let me not be fake because I haven't seen it yet. Um, You'll love it. But. Before that, let me introduce these two that are behind me. Folks can't hear them. I don't know. What am I trying to say? Oh, uh, we've got two return guests. Hey. Who Hello. The bubble. And so I've agreed to let them stay in my home. Nice. <laughs> For my birthday <laughs> weekend. Um, we've got a Rhea Yap. Rhea! And a Brubra yes. Kalina. <laughs> yes. Oh, Balik Bayan buddies. Oh. <laughs> yes. How are y'all doing? Yes, tell us. Well, get in here. I just woke up from a nap. Ooh, we love that. Exciting. I feel great. Life is good. Work is good. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Yay for joy. Um, I am student teaching this semester for high school, mm -hmm. and I'm learning a lot about my, what I can handle, and <laughs> my boundaries, yeah. nice. yep. um, with, like, students and work and all that stuff, so that's pretty cool, I guess, um, and I'm just happy to be here with- I'm happy you're here! Yeah. <laughs> oh Love seeing your faces! <laughs> Well, um, we'll have to connect uh, because I think Diana might have a a PTP project. Ooh, okay. <laughs> We're gonna say we'll like talk after the meeting, and then we all log off. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, if you have, if you need any like teacher advice, you let me know. Better teacher over here. Yes, it's very interesting trying to teach choir online. Oh, you're a music wow. teacher. Yes. I love it. Can I be in your choir? Yes, of course. I'll Tenor one, baritone two. <laughs> I mean, Daniel is as tall as an eight to ten year old, so. I but am the same. an eight to ten year old. <laughs> that would be like, that would be a movie I would watch, you know, like Daniel. <laughs> it's almost like that Drew Barrymore movie, like Daniel reliving it and then becoming on the top of the choir. And then he's like, I'm an adult. Oh gosh, I'm down. <laughs> let's read it. Let's workshop it. They work. They like win championships and stuff. And oh, I'm all about it. Daniel will be played by Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> <laughs> let's get an Oscar here. <laughs> oh, I love you all. <sighs> oh, um, but thank you for showing up <laughs> post nap, and I will, you know. Feel free to stay or continue your nap. Bye. Nice. I love that consensual you know relationship. Okay. We, need, we support naps yes. in this house. 
Absolutely radical. How I mean in this house, we gonna That's a hit. That's a hit. Yeah. Love you both. Okay. Was that every was that all your updates, Nicole? Um no. Um Biscuit had to go to the vet this morning he had an emergency um because he's fine now he's back at home he's he's a little high but um he's okay he had yesterday he had like um like a couple of tooth infections and so i think uh like it just really they'd gone further than they needed to go and so he had some surgery today tough but um He's doing a lot better, I think. Um, he he also emptied his bladder in the back of Heather's car um, <laughs> on the way to the vet. So um, I'm now going to become a um, a car detailer. <laughs> <laughs> this was your humble beginnings. Um, yeah. So shout out to Biscuit. Um, I'm still waiting for a reply to this grad program. I Come on, waiting. program. I'm, it's like torture waiting. Um, and I'm really trying not to, like, catastrophize. Mm, that's but, tough. Like, it's, it's really hard not to. Um, but, you know, we'll f- find out soon enough. And I don't know. Right. Also, also, also sending um, good vibes to the universe <laughs> yeah, for that for that vibes. one. Um, a different kind of good vibes, and and also I'm turning through tomorrow. I'm an old y'all. Mm. Old. <sighs> All right. Well, Let's we like you at any age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nicole, tell us about our episode. Oh, thank you. Um, ooh, sorry, my internet, apparently my internet connection is unstable, like, somehow what my mental health feels like <laughs> after an interaction <laughs> with my parents, maybe? You know? um, okay, JK, but not really. Um, so, today's episode is dedicated to our parents, mm. who I would say that, like, we rarely ever see as other humans, but just <laughs> as people who raise us and tell us what to do, maybe? Yeah. Um, and so much of our identity is shaped by how our parents raised us. Are their expectations of us based on their parents' expectations of them? And mm. do we carry those same expectations onto others in our lives? Um, is this a uniquely Filipino experience? If so, how? And so today we're going to dig deep into dig the people deep. we call <laughs> our parents, your nanai and your tatai. <laughs> your mama, and your papa, and in between. Um, (laughs) Did or does diasporic parenting impact our values? Have we become our parents? Are we our parents? So many good questions. And that is our next episode on the Game Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Dang. Oh, you are a comedic genius, my friend. (laughs) Dang. All right, we'll dial it back. So how do your parents see themselves? And what are the narratives they told you growing up of how they wanted to appear to the world? Daniel, start us off. 
Um, sure. Um, so, um, so my mom was a panganay, so she was like the firstborn um, out of seven, I think. Whoa. So big family. Um, so she was like, she was the one in charge of taking care and being the role model for, for her younger siblings. She has three younger sisters and two younger brothers. Um, so like she had a lot of responsibilities. Um, my mom also never got to finish college um, because, you know, like my grandparents, her parents needed her mm-hmm. at home. Um, but like my mom has just been like industrious ever since. Um, like when I moved to, or when our family moved to Alaska, like she went straight into working, um, like a full-time gig. And like my mom doesn't drive too. Um, so, and like in Alaska, it, it snows for half the year. So sometimes she would, if she's, if she's not able to get a ride from my dad, she would walk to work in the snow, even when she was pregnant. Like Whoa. That's, that's how much of like a, like a hard worker my mom is. Um, but when well, that's my mom, um, my dad was like the Philam religious man who lived abroad while my mom and I lived in the Philippines. Um, and like, you know, growing up because like he was like not in the same like country as I was, I didn't really talk to him a lot. And even like up to now, like we don't really talk a lot um, because he's always been distant, both like physically distant and also like emotionally distant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very hard to communicate with him because of our like differing viewpoints. Um, and we're doing better in that arena. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I would say that like my dad was the reason why I've become Americanized. Um, oh. And that like I've in a sense forgotten what it's like being Filipino because he assimilated in the American culture when he lived in Hawaii. Like, I remember whenever he would come back home, he's, like, wearing Ray-Bans. Or, like, he was always, like, hang loose. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, like, just, like, buy-in boxes full of duty-free products. Mm-hmm, like, it's, mm-hmm. like, full-on, like, <clears throat> Filipino who lived in America. But, yeah, th- those are my parents. Um, Nicole, what about you? Um, I would say that, well, so I did an oral history um, of my mom for two of my classes. And <laughs> uh, I think my mom would describe herself as like um, having achieved the American dream. But I think, I feel like both my parents would agree to say that they've achieved the American dream as like mm. homeowners <clears throat> who um, moved to the United States and are American citizens. Mm. Um, my mom describes herself as like, a jock. Well, she wouldn't say a jock. She'd just call herself a tomboy who was athletic. Oh. Uh, but I mean, she, my mom was a jock growing up for sure. Like she ran track, she played softball, she played basketball. Um, I think she even like, she played softball also. Um, and that as an adult, like as, as a young adult, she was just kind of like this um, badass, like boss bitch that like, um, she would describe herself as like, like men were afraid of her. And so that's why she didn't like Ooh. date around a lot. Um, and that it was because of like, cause she can, cause like folks can't take advantage of her. Like she's not like easily influenced. Um, and that my dad would maybe describe himself as like, I'll, um, I guess as like a, a spoiled 
like kid, like, um, like he knows that he didn't really have to sweat to like get things. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think I shared a story where he was as a boy scout, um, on a camping trip and his yaya brought over a rotisserie chicken Mm -hmm. when they were supposed to be eating like canned food or something (laughs) so like he's very much like a he don't he don't camp he glamp Uh, (laughs) um you know he and that he always like gets his way like even as an adult like to the united states and became a citizen and so i guess he like might think of himself uh crafty i don't know if that makes sense i'm getting like sporty spice and scary spice vibes (laughs) from both my parents i mean (laughs) i mean they are spicy (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean this is kind of my first time like listening um to just what you've both described and i'm like oh like i guess because i met nicole's mom like um who seems like really stern and stuff like knowing all this other backstory i'm just kind of like whoa like there's so much to that like little lady that i didn't realize i guess i only met her for five minutes though but still like there was a lot more to her or layers as um nicole you know peel back the layers kind of situation um for me you know like the both of you my parents have lived like the filipino migrant dream so they're both nurses college educated and created like financial stability for themselves um, prior to that whole nursing identity, my mom was a beauty queen. And in a lot of ways, like she's still, I would still consider her beautiful, you know, even though she talks down, like I'm not anymore. Maybe she's fishing for compliments. And my dad was like the star basketball. Um, and in his own words, he's like campus crush. And it always made me roll back my eyes. And I wouldn't normally quote him on that, but since the inception of Facebook, like, his old classmates have been still chasing him for this like unrequited love and I'm like really man like we couldn't get past this but like all in all they um to me like for them I think that they think that they are the pinnacle of success you know they're at the finish line the championship game and and in a lot of ways I think that they wanted me to have what they have while we're in America and while I didn't go down that same path of that utopia that both of them have lived in financially-esque. I think we mutually surprise each other how this identity, their identity has greatly impacted my life. So, yeah. I feel like a lot of what we shared was very revealing about, like, our parents. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, my, my question now is, like, has your parents' sense of identity impacted your upbringing? And how so? LOLOLOLOL. <laughs> Um, so like I wasn't raised to be like a girly girl. I think because my mom was a jock that she like very much encouraged me to play sports and stuff like that. Like, um, and so I think that there is a part of them that like feels a type of way about me being hella queer and like very butch presenting because, mm. um, I think maybe they figured, okay, Erlinda grew out of this like tomboy um phase and oh. and found this handsome con artist husband <laughs> and um settled down and they have this cute little daughter who just talks back at everyone right 
Um, and so I think that they thought that maybe I was just going to grow out of this and just settle with some nice white Mormon boy and have my, have a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like on the one hand, like it's cool that they didn't like um, really, it's like, there's a weird duality where they don't believe in gendered stereotypes, but at the same time enforce them. Mm, that's a good ass point. So like, yeah, you should for sure be like financially independent as a quote unquote woman. Um, but you should also stay home and like take care of your husband because you are a quote unquote woman. Wow. But I think aside from that, like my, I think that my parents, uh, very like their parenting styles and what they taught me to find value in are very, um, like deeply rooted in survivalist mentalities. Mm-hmm. So like them growing up in, under like political instability and having to choose their careers based on getting the fuck out of the Philippines. Like right. I think a lot of that translated into what they tried to teach me was important. Mm-hmm. And like all those things are also rooted in like capitalism. Right. Um, and so like where, you know, I, I got a degree in gender and sexuality studies. They're like, what what is that? Um, Mm -hmm. Like, they're proud of me for going to college and finishing my degree, but Mm -hmm. they, like, I think it also doesn't mean anything to them if I'm not bringing home, like, Um, a shit ton of money, right? Um, right. And so, like, these concepts of neoliberalism and capitalism and even, like, my model minority uh, traits... Uh, like, <laughs> like those are things that we don't agree with, but that they definitely tried to instill in me. Um, and so that's like, that definitely puts a strain on our relationship and that like, we don't have a very deep relationship. Matt, I think you're going to speak to a lot of our listeners just on your, Listen, your relationship alone. I went to therapy <laughs> earlier in the week, knowing that we were going to talk about this. <laughs> You know, I mean, we tied a bow on it. It's like, yeah, I have goosebumps because yeah, there's just so much great points you raise. Um, so for me, like come from a home, having two nurse incomes and being among nurse peers for my parents brought a side of like vanity and capitalism while being caretakers, you know, like we're in the caretaking industry. And I don't think anyone in the Filipino community predicted or is willing to admit that the values of vanity and capitalism, like we're very much adhered to. So back home in Guam, it's acceptable to ask what your income is. And that always made me uneasy. Mm. Um, But it was a point of contention and competition among my parents and their colleagues, like what it means to be a lawyer or doctor in America. So my parents dealt a lot with emergencies and accidents that occurred in our neighborhood and home, you know, and I, I appreciated that because it was just like, yeah, people would turn to them, and it was a point of pride, but, like, I hated blood while they didn't mind it, and same goes for needles and injuries, and they were excellent nurses who never really had a day off, and, yeah, they wanted me to have that life because it brought them, I guess, in their sense, a lot of liberties or, like, financial freedom, but I didn't want that life because of how big those shoes felt to me Mm. and the standard that they raised um, as nurses, you know, but I guess listening to um, Nicole, it, it kind of ties it for me like it would have given us something in common to have an even deeper relationship um, at the time when I was starting my college career. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Daniel? 
Um, yeah, so uh, that last part that you said about like how big those shoes felt, um, I had that struggle too, like with my parents, because I like, I don't want to disappoint them because like, in a sense, and like, they've told me this time and time again, like I am a reflection of their, mm-hmm. like of their, um, uh, their, them being a parent, right? And them being a person. So like, I want to be able to, you know, like make them look good too. Um, so a couple things, um, there's a lot that I had to like unpack and mm-hmm. I had to do this like all in an hour because, <laughs> because I, um, didn't get to do it, uh, this week. But, um, so like thinking back to like what I shared about like my mom, so she was like the panganai, she wasn't able to finish college and all those things kind of trickled down to me. I was the oldest. Um, so both my mom and my dad kind of experimented their pairing styles with me Mm -hmm. and because of that now like you know like I've gone to therapy and thinking of going back to therapy um and also because of that my mom pushed me to continue school my dad also never finished college so then like the drive to go to school to be successful was like instilled in me from a very young age um and then also going back to what you said, Jean, about vanity. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked about how my mom was obsessed with her appearance because she was like the mestiza of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dad was also like all about appearance too. Um, so for, uh, and I don't think I've ever told anyone, like I haven't told Jean or Nicole this, and I guess every, like the listeners, please listen up. Um, <laughs> so I have uh, a skin condition called keratosis. It looks like small dots on your skin. Like it's not contagious. It's not itchy. It looks like, like if you, if you like are cooking chicken and like the chicken skin has like those small bumps. That's what it looks like on my skin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of them. It's it's not painful. It's not itchy. It doesn't bother me. Um, my, my my dad has told me before that that my skin condition was ugly to look at. Oh, um, and oh my that God. fucked me up. Especially as your father, right? Yeah, like my, and like to the point that it makes me think that like he that he thinks that it's un-American to have like keratosis. So like my self-esteem was already like shot when I was like growing up, um, but then they like presented me and like taught me how to have this drive to be successful. So I'm kind of just like, wait, where? Like this is like mm-hmm. not. It's not like, uh, what's the word I'm for? It's not, it's incongruous because mm-hmm. they're saying that like, you're going to be successful, but then your skin is ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this is uh, chismis, but <laughs> um, my mom, so was the only daughter whose main suitor, so my dad, um, appropriately asked for my, my grandparents' blessing. Um, like, so all of my other aunts and uncles either had, like, shotgun weddings or, like, or they eloped. So, like, my mom was, like, the, the golden like, child. Right, by the book. Right, right, By right. the book, yeah. On top of that, like, both of my parents are religious, and they had opinions on same-sex relationships. And then, voila, here I am. They're firstborn, <laughs> they're firstborn and their son um, is gay who wants to get married to a man. So that threw them up for a loop um, and caused me, with their parenting styles, um, and parenting tactics, I guess, that caused me to have some psychological agitations that borderline self-harm, low self-esteem, depression, doubt, just a lot of like negative things that mm-hmm. is the reason why I go to therapy. I, I think Nicole can um, echo this real quick, is that there's always that like 
motivation for like industriousness, but a jab at the physical attributes, right, Nicole? I mean, I think you had mentioned that earlier in episodes back, but yeah, it was, it's kind of a pattern. I, and I've been following someone's Insta story and it's the same thing. It's like, you need to be making more money and you're fat. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, like, I, re- I really wonder where this is like coming from. And I mean, you know, it all is rooted down to like <laughs> colonialism and like um, imperialism and shit like that. Um, but uh, yeah, there's always this like, a competition I guess or like um I don't like you're just not good enough Mm -hmm. and that is is definitely like one of like my big things that I talk Mm -hmm. about in therapy is just Mm -hmm. this um this desire to uh or uh, what do we like like being a people pleaser Mm -hmm. and um just and not um uh, being compassionate to myself because there is this like underlying, um, you're not good enough mm-hmm. that's happening. And then, so then like, I am like tracing that to <laughs> memories, like my earliest childhood memories, um, which I, I don't want to skip too ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. We'll save it. But I, I do want to, um, echo, uh, like that, uh, what Daniel was talking about with like these expectations of, like, um, I did this, so you should be able to do this. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yep. like, and yeah, so I wanted to reiterate like this neoliberalism, um, that's just like so pervasive and just so like such a stronghold opinion right. <laughs> and, and like, uh, I guess like our immigrant parents, I guess I'm just going to talk about uh, talk about mine, mm-hmm. um, and not give them the opportunity to talk about it on this podcast. Just <laughs> you know, well, we are here even to though. disappoint them. So that makes <laughs> <Yes>. sense. <laughs> true, 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 true. Um, so I think like that, like one of those things that was like so hurtful for me growing up is like having this, um, like very unrealistic expectation of how I should be as a student. And like, so like that really shows up in how I am as an adult, like uh, being an un, um, non-traditional student in undergrad, right? Like, so I'm like trying to do the most, right. um, like I have this awesome CV, but like, I don't think anything of myself at the mm. same time, um, because it's taken me this long to be this quote unquote brilliant. Right. Right. And so like, you know, I just got to ADHD diagnosis like not that long ago and I was only able to get that diagnosis because I got married and I got um health insurance right like had and I think that this is also very common with like femme folks Mm -hmm. of like not being diagnosed with ADHD or like as children because of the ways that it like shows up differently in girls um and but like I just had such a hard time in like middle school and high school especially that um like my parents just said I was like lazy mm-hmm. or that like I just didn't care or like I was just being like this spoiled American kid who just like would not bust their chops to get good grades it's like oh no I have a learning disability mm-hmm. and like so the impact of that as like 
I think I was like maybe 39 or no, I'm going to be 39. I was probably like 38 or 37 when I like got a diagnosis or like connections is like, um, I went and had an appointment with some, I, I can't remember if I've talked about this before, but like just sitting in the DRC office on campus, the disability resource center and talking to someone about all these different options I have for like learning tools was just so, um, like it was kind of heartbreaking because like I had this whole childhood and adolescence of like being, of believing that I was just a ding dong. Right. Or like that there was something inherently wrong with me because I couldn't, I couldn't like study the way that my parents, like I couldn't be as successful academically as they were. So like that is also just reflective of like this, how they, like their parenting style, how that like really impacts me, like still impacts me as an adult. Yeah. It's like, it's almost for both your stories, it's almost like they disassociate with you. Like the error does not lie with them. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, that's an isolated case. It's on you that you're this way, right? Rather than like an intervention or seeking diagnosis, you know what I mean? Like, or even just thinking about like queerness, like yeah. that doesn't run in our family. Learning right. disabilities, that doesn't run in our family. Right. Like, see, what is that? Right. I'm also thinking about this in like in a sense of like blame, as if like the yeah. reason yeah. why the reason why we're the way that we are is because it's not their fault. Absolutely. It is Absolutely. our fault. And then on top of that too, like it is our, like it's our responsibility to fix ourselves to their mm-hmm. standards. Right. Like just straighten your ass up is like what they would, you know, or right. would be a response to that. Yeah. Cause there's like shame and denial along with blame that is layered into, um, you know, your, the way that you come up in the world. And yeah, like to find that out at like 37, 38, you've already been through primary school, like, you know, secondary school, like, mm-hmm. and it makes me think how many other communities upon the communities are not getting a diagnosis and like not able to, to just get the help to learn, like, you know, like, and that is trauma upon trauma upon trauma of trying to navigate this world without the assistance. <sighs> wow. Heavy, heavy, heavy um, stuff. Yeah, let's say everyone go to a therapy session after this. <laughs> I love it. Um, so now that we've talked about how our parents have fucked us up, um, <laughs> how do we, um, how do we mirror them? <laughs> Ooh, good, uh, good segue here. Um, so for me growing up, I never thought I'd be like those like totalitarians. Like they were like the strictest parents on my street. Um, my dad used to be such an instigator in situations. And I, I growing up just never wanted to be like confrontational. So I was very like, you know, um, even when shit went down to school, I'd like hide out and cry in the bathroom or like want to self-harm because I'm like, I can't, I can't, you know, um, sometimes he'd get so scary and mad that I kept repeating to myself that I would not be like my dad, you know, I wouldn't be a shitster or whatever, you know, um, back then a part of me like grew up and realized that some of those situations where he did like coach me to advocate for myself, um, I was just so embarrassed that my dad was vocal, you know, like for Asians, like, you know, keep down, keep low. And I just realized he was actually advocating for others and calling out some bullshit at work. And, um, and now I kind of call out bullshit, like that happens in, within my community. Like, and I just, sometimes I'm like, and sometimes it, it just fatigues me so much that I actually can confide in my dad, like, man, like 
I'm being shitted on like for standing up for something and he'll like come from a real place to hear me and hold space for me. Um, and then as for my mom, she has like a hidden tendency to eat comfort food um, behind people's backs or when she's stressed. I never knew this until like last year when I lived with her and I was really happy to see this human side of her because, you know, coming from a beauty queen, there's that pressure and that legacy that you still kind of hang on to the crown, you know? And so overall, despite our like generational differences, I think that they're very like generous people, even though they have their flaws and errors that like to give more than receive. So unfortunately I too like now dance between like those boundaries of like mm. being so much like them and then like, catching myself so yeah what about you daniel um so i resonate with you about um about your dad about being vocal because like also growing up like my dad was very just like vocal and angry mm-hmm. all the time that like i'm scared to the point that like i just like you know i'm just quiet and i just go with what i was told to do um mm-hmm. but now that i'm a grown-ass adult <laughs> i had i had learned to be vo- more vocal more because i can't afford being a pushover anymore mm-hmm. and I think that like the first time that I actually like, raised my voice at my dad and kind of like went point by point why he's wrong mm-hmm. I think at one point he was like also afraid of me but at the same yeah. time I saw kind of like that sense of like pride that like yes. oh, finally you yeah. found your voice um but I'm like but you didn't need to put me through that trauma for me <laughs> to find that voice but also thank you dad um mm-hmm. and then as for my mom um like I think she's like, I mean, like, she's, she's a hard worker. Like, she never takes a break. Like, sometimes, like, when I call her um, on her days off, like, she's just like, yeah, I have to clean this, and I have to do that, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. I'm like, mom, it's your day off. Like, chill <laughs> the fuck out. Um, but, I mean, like, she's taught me how to be industrious, but I've taught myself to find balance. Mm. Um, because I also, like, as much as I can't afford being a pushover, I also cannot afford just being worked to the bone oh yeah um so thank you parents what about you nicole (laughs) um this is like this is kind of hard to like think about because um i think because going to therapy like i've like it's my goal to just not recreate these like Mm -hmm. um toxic traits that they've uh like not that i guess passed down or like just yeah toxic communication styles that they taught me. Um, I, I would say that like, I, my sense of humor um, is very much, very much comes from them because I think uh, people who know them always say that, Oh, your parents are so funny. Um, And like, I, I think I'm likable, (laughs) but like, I definitely get that from them. Um, I also, like my mom, I would say was also a kind of a bully. And I, I, I do have those bully tendencies. Like as a child, there was definitely a time where I was like the schoolyard bully. Um, bully baddies. And, uh, yeah, it's like not uh, like, like it's kind of embarrassing, but at the same time, it's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I have to work on that. I have to talk to that little bully child and, and see what's up. Um, and so I think I, like, I get some of that from my mom. Cause like, like even I'll still, even in my fucking zombie game that I just quit, that, like I, that I would like start shit with people online. 
Like, <laughs> why? Why? You two um, also are a shitster. <laughs> oh, God. And then from my dad, I guess, like, there's a part of me that's, like, for sure was, like, a fuckboy. Um, and <laughs> was also, like, kind of like this... It's what is that term? Not laissez-faire, but just kind of like consequences. What's that? I, I barely know, huh? Like <laughs> there are definitely like some times where I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna get this tattoo on the side of my face. I don't give a fuck, or you know, like there, like there are things that I am just kind of like, I don't give a fuck. Like my dad does have that that I don't oh, give a fuck mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I think that he kind of like his is. I feel like his is way more toxic. Right. <laughs> like, like, cause I did, um, Daniel's story about his father remind me of like how I did call my dad out on his own mm-hmm. bullshit. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think he's like, anyone's ever done that to him before. Whoa, y'all, we're like all the retribution of our fathers. Like, I am fucking, I like, I am just blown away by this pattern. Like, someone make this into their thesis. Like, this is some, this, we are like checking that gener, that generation of men, cis men, you know? Like, um, yeah, it's like there's all these like toxic traits um, that, like, they, they think that they're like the shit because they're doing these things, but right. it's like, Oh no, you fucked up, and th- and this is how I'm gonna clearly show you. Mm-hmm, I'm gonna mm-hmm. draw you a map, and here it is. But then, like, he doesn't acknowledge it. <laughs> to say, yeah, like, yeah, it's it's wild. It's like uh, like we're the compound effect of everything, all the rage, you know. Like, and it's like in the mirror aspect of this question is like, this is this is kind of the worst part of you that you've given me years and years of like, like compounded and stuff and so like I you know and I do see like the the bully part that you but it's playful it's different and that's where I think you've you shifted in that toxicity because it's like playful like you can call like shit out or be like um willy-nilly like but it's like it's playful in a way or like it's teachable you know like right. not like it's like i'm stamping on you and you better like you know and like suppress nicole so like i think that's it's really cool that that's changed and, and like the uh i think the intention that like all of us had was to kind of like teach our parents mm-hmm. but i guess like <laughs> our parents don't want to be taught <laughs> or listen to or like maybe like Maybe they listen to just parts of it, but not fully. Maybe because of like the defenses that they have. Right. Oh my God. I, yes. That's yeah. That's and like, now we're their size too. Now you know what I mean. Like we're like <laughs> we're grown, and if you come out, come for us, like we can call the cops. You know, or not call the cops, but like we could actually like stand toe to toe with you. Uh-huh. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm as husky as like my dad now. You know what I mean? Like he can't just. I'm not a little girl um, who's like being disciplined anymore. I'm like husky. Well, you also taught kickboxing, so yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, which, yeah, there's a lot to that, though. Yeah. Well, okay. So now that we know that we are our parents' reckonings, um, <laughs> what are some things you're intentionally trying to heal in your family line? Yeah, so that's a good, that's a great question in a way where, like, why I chose kickboxing, um, because, like, I'm intentionally trying to unlearn, like, physical abuse tactics, because I have, like, I be raging, like, I try to keep my Virgo, um, (laughs) Virgo P's and Q's, and, like, be real, like, 
happy-go-lucky Jean, but like really like when I'm raging and I'm on revenge and Nicole has seen some of it, like I won't stop to like quit. And so that, you know, um, I'm also trying to check myself when I project stress and anger onto undeserving people. And these two things like raging and projecting are my father's traits. And it's because like, that's all I've received for so many years. So like, um, both also both my parents would just repress and unleash fury like on us like if they were having a hard day at work it'd be on us you know what I mean and so I think for me it's like learn behavior on their part and as their generation so I'm really trying to like not internalize that and continue that fury I like when I am now you know in my new set of family like I'm just like look I'm angry and I need space like don't come for me or I'm hungry like I communicate like where it's just like, look, you know, instead of being like, throw pillows and like slam doors and shit, like, you know, so um, that's why I'm really trying to heal. Um, and yeah, that's why kickboxing is a way to segue out that rage. Um, but yeah, what about you, Nicole? Um, like, oh gosh, this is so hard. Because <laughs> like, I, I really want my parents to go to therapy, mm-hmm. but like, you you know, they have to want that. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not like, I, I can't do anything about that. Um, I think that um, like where I'm intentional is also like Jean said, just disrupting this pattern of toxic communication. Like, yeah, there's a lot of projection that I observe in my parents. And there's also a lot of like um, passive aggression. Mm-hmm. And so I think when I talk to them, I ask for, like hella specificity mm. um so they can't just be like well you know that thing. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm like no tell me what you mean um and i think because that's also you know we talked about language barriers and about like wanting specificity so that like we know exactly what we're trying to communicate and so that you know if they're there's no room for like disappointment. I mean, there's always going to be room for disappointment because we are who we are. But mm-hmm. um, like, I just really try to talk to them in the way that I wish that they would talk to me. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I, I think that a lot of, um, what am I trying to say? Um, that it, and in doing that, it's also that me sticking to my boundaries. So like, if my mom makes a comment about my body that I mm-hmm. say to her, um, I asked you not to talk about my body like that. Um, That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Like if you can't think of something else to talk to me about, then we, we literally don't have to talk. Um, right. And I, I think that that is um, like, it's a reminder to them that like, I'm not going to with just because you talk to me in a way that, you've talked to me for like 30 something years, like, and maybe because your mom talked to you the same way, like that's, it's not okay for me. That, I mean, I know that just that conversation alone and, and that exchange, communication exchange, people get super violent or initiate yeah. self-harm just because they, they don't know yet the skill, the communication skill to just nip that projection, you know, like mm-hmm. some people just go to the rooms, internalize it, question their whole existence. And parents don't even really think twice of how they've impacted that, you know, with that kind of physical statement. So 
Yeah. Well, I think that like also our parents are just very wounded people who have seen like such like violence in their Mm -hmm. lifetimes that they, and they don't, and we've talked about this before, how they don't like look at that as something to process, Mm -hmm. but as something that they've witnessed and that it made them better, stronger, whatever. Right. But it, but they don't see how like (laughs) that survivalist outlook, like, they don't see the impact or they're right. unwilling right. to see the impact. And I mean, like this also goes in line with like intergenerational trauma too, <laughs> that like the trauma that like our parents um, experience kind of like trickles down to like, to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, by goodness, I, I hope and I wish that like, we don't trickle our, our traumas down to our kids. Yeah. Um, Listen, I apologize to Biscuit. <laughs> hey, I mean, yes. I mean, sometimes you're right. Pets to feel like wrath, to, you know what I mean? Right. Well, I mean, like, aware. even like, I can't, I can only think of like maybe one time that my mom's apologized to me for something. Like apologies are just not in my parents' vocabulary. Right. There's silent treatment and there's a... Yeah. <laughs> There's a silent treatment. There's and then, a blame, blame movement or something. Yeah, there's shit talking behind backs, you know, of what they would say, actually want to say. And then there's like, there's, and then like things just kind of smooth over and yeah. everyone's talking again, but there's no um, conversation about mm-hmm. why there was conflict in the first place. Right, there's still a grudge pending. Yeah, and there's no yeah. restoration. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> so I, yeah, that's I don't do that to biscuit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Miss Kit Cat is sleeping. Oh, sorry, sorry, I woke you up. <laughs> and See? what about you, An Daniel? Apology. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, for me, um, one of the things that like I am trying to do with my parents is to get them to stop comparing, mm-hmm. like comparing comparing me to them or even like comparing me to my younger siblings. Mm -hmm. Like I remember one of the things that like, it was my brother's graduation. um, And like my brother is five years younger than me. Mm -hmm. And like one of my, like my parents and some of my relatives too were just like, Oh, like, Oh, you're the smart one. And I'm like, pause. No. Wow. Like my brother has, infinite amount of skills that I can't do. He's good at computers. He's good at, um, he's stronger than I am. Like mm-hmm. I, you cannot compare him to me and I cannot like, and you cannot say those things right behind good. his back. Um, because like, I mean like, that's the reason why I have, I have self-esteem issues because I've been compared to many of my classmates <laughs> mm-hmm. and to like, to my own parents. And that's why I have self-doubt. Um, I also had a conversation with my dad and this is when I, this is when I exploded at him. Um, (laughs) When I told him, when, when, um, when I asked him like, what is more important having good kids? Because he kept saying like, I raised good kids. And I was like, okay, yeah, you raised good kids. I'm going to agree with that. We are good kids, but are we happy? And he's like, he, I stopped him right at his tracks and he just like, didn't answer that question. And I was just like, okay, great. Oh my goodness. Um, but that also helped me kind of like realize more and more that like I cannot measure my own happiness on the happiness of my parents. Like I don't care if they're unhappy. If I'm happy, great. 
if we're both happy, awesome. But um, I have to like keep reminding myself that like I'm happy because I'm happy, not because right. my parents are happy. Especially that if the cause of my anguish is them too, like I literally cannot measure my happiness based on theirs. To me, that's really like self-revolutionary. Like, honestly, that's some good kids versus happy kids. Um, wow. Um, okay, but to the next question. What are some things you're trying to, un to learn or unlearn at this point of time, at this point in time, mm -hmm. when you think of this entire child-parent relationship? Daniel? Um, and I'm speaking for myself and not for um, my younger siblings. Um, I'm giving my, my, my parents some grace um, because my parents were figuring out their parent identity with me mm -hmm. um, on top of like having, on top of having like their first kid, on top of having um, a kid and they're separate, you know, like my, my dad was abroad, my mom was with me. Um, they had reasons for doing what they did in their situation. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to be open to those. Because again, like I like don't know what they, I don't know what they have encountered, experienced, etc. I'm patient with them in regarding in regards to our differing opinions and perspectives, mm -hmm. but I cannot let myself think that I cannot escape my upbringing. Right. Um. Wow. Like just because I was raised that way doesn't mean that like I can't undo what they've done. Um. Also, I have to learn that even though I'm their offspring, I'm my own separate person. Oh my goodness. Get all these on t-shirts and stickers. Um, Nicole, yeah. what about you? <laughs> Merch. Um, <laughs> so I think that taking um, Asian American studies courses really like that, learning that history um, really helped me like truly understand like the historical situations that my parents grew up in because I don't think that I was ever going to get that real story of like oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, so this was <laughs> happening and um, yeah, yeah like they're like I don't think that I'm going to freely get that information from them um, and so that helped me like understand why my parents love neoliberalism and um <laughs> like why they love capitalism even though they don't really um benefit from it um mm. like I, I understand that and i understand how that impacts my relationship with them and my identity formation um but therapy um like like i empathize with them like i guess i i humanize them in this process but i don't make it's not an excuse. Like mm. it, I guess it just, um, like it helps me make sense, but I still make room for, to acknowledge like the impact that it has on me. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I know that I can't like, um, change them unless they, <laughs> and so I just try to like, um, I can only control like how I interact with them and not necessarily how they interact with me. And so, yeah, just sticking to boundaries and like, um, not, um, you know, just like flat, flat saying like, don't talk about my body that way. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, Heather's, are... Heather's not my friend. She's my wife, <laughs> like stuff like that. 
I mean, those are very practical approaches um, that both of you've given, you know, I'm going to echo the whole, you know, controlling my own agency in these situations of growing up now as an even older adult. So um, I'm just trying to learn how to be a better listener um, instead of talk over each other or just not echo gossip that's harmful. Like um, my dad will always ask me about a family that we don't really even talk to. He's like, so what's, what's the, what's the gossip? And I'm just kind of like, I don't want to participate in that anymore. So, um, you know, or, also you because know. it's probably boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, like I just, um, now I, when I talk to them or when they talk to me, I want to, um, be fully engaged by letting them say their full message instead of like, cut off, cut off, cut off. So um, those are small things, but conversation um, starts greater and bigger things. So yeah, that's my answer to the learn and unlearn portion of this episode. Um, So if you could leave a message for your parents, knowing they would be fully engaged in listening, what would you say? Hashtag go to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Um, like, I know that there are a, a lot of faith-based therapists mm-hmm. in Las Vegas, but I don't know if they also have like that intersection of like, um, like ethnic and cultural historical like mm-hmm. context. And mm-hmm. so I can't even like, and I was just talking to my therapist about this, like how do I find a therapist for my fam- my parents? Like, like, I know I don't have to, but there is a part of me that right. has, like, if they wanted to do that, like, I will help them look for a therapist. Right. Um, yeah, I don't well, know. To be help- like the fact that you're even trying to be helpful instead of like, yeah, go find it yourself. I think that's, that says a lot too. Um, I did it myself. You could do it yourself. <laughs> Isn't that what you told me? <laughs> I could say um, that. Yeah, you could say that. Um, yeah. Um, and just to, the whole faith base, like, because I'm doing a little bit of research for like, a panel on mental health and like there's not many you know therapists who look or have that context um culturally um so yeah it's it's still there's still a long road and you know but you know that you already know that um so just for me um i may yeah, i want to tell my parents like i may have not become a nurse but it doesn't lessen how much i respect and value the work that you do um i see how you never fully articulate your fears into coming here to america and um you still don't speak of the harmful microaggressions you currently repress you know and that translates into this never-ending overprotection you feel for me um every time i'm in front of you or leave the room but at the end of the day um best believe i'm like all your best traits and I'm going to continue to try in this world that forces um, us to forget ourselves and our people. So that's, that's for you parents. Um, so I've actually had a conversation with my parents about this already. Um, and uh, I mean, like I would just like repeat again that like the reason why I'm going to therapy is because of you. Mm -hmm. Um, and to just be like completely clear with them I think is very very important Um, and I think this is something that like and the teacher Daniel comes out whenever I talk to (laughs) my parents because like sometimes like when I'm like having these like really like these tougher conversations with them I just tell them like it is your turn to listen and to not speak and sometimes like when they start interrupting me I'm just like I said you're not speaking one two three eyes on me 
Yeah, honestly. <laughs> like, li- literally, like, I went full-on teacher mode um, when I talked to my dad and my mom. which is like, you're interrupting. And they're like, well, I have something to say. And I was like, you're speaking right now, and you're still interrupting me. I'm not finished. Right. Gotta be a um, moderator in that. Right. Um, they, and, and, like, I think, like, I have to, like, tell them directly more that, like, I've listened to you my whole life. And I've been silenced during my childhood and growing mm-hmm. up. So now it's your turn. I'm not silencing you. I'm just saying you have to listen. Right. Um, Huge difference. Yeah. Right. Um, and that I think I, and I want to invite them to that, like, to be part of like my healing. Like I want them to heal as well. Absolutely. Um, and hopefully, hopefully things go well. Hey, we can dream. Can we? We can um, dream. Let's head into recommendations. Nicole, what's good? Uh, hmm. There's this uh, video that like uh, came out, I guess, last month by, the, by some content creator named Tom McGovern. And he did a video where it's John Mellencamp's uh, Jack and Diane. But he just sings, sucking on a chili dog, sucking on a chili dog. <laughs> and that brings me so much joy. Um, that's like, it's a feel good, uh, video that definitely will get stuck in your head. I'm going to check it out. Uh, click for the links. Um, (laughs) and of course I'm still on that animal crossing bullshit with all this new like Mario stuff. Ooh, yes. And since I, uh, also (laughs) convinced Heather to be a villager on my island. Yes. She's transformed. You know, she tried really hard not to do it. She also tried really hard not to watch WandaVision. And guess what? She's watching it now. But we haven't watched <laughs> the last episode. Anyway. Yes. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And that, I would say that my last uh, <laughs> recommendation is sleeping with two weighted blankets. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a dream. It's like I get so sweaty and so stinky, but like I am out like a fucking light. That's- I can just imagine what that feels like. I love it. It's beautifully being crushed. <laughs> Daniel. Um, so I've been on a an audiobook kick lately um, because I've been waking up at five in the morning just to <sighs> go on my elliptical, you know. Um, but the last book that I had finished was uh, Audrey Lord's audio uh, book, Sister Outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only read one essay by her but then this time like that whole book I was just like listening to and sometimes I literally would just have to like stop in the middle of my workout and I'm just like okay let me just process that a little bit and also sweat it out a little bit oh okay multitasking. Um, but yeah if you go on uh, if you have a library um, if you have a library card you could download audiobooks and Sister Outsider is one of the available audiobooks both for Henderson Libraries and Las Vegas Libraries. Give this man a job. He's still referring to the library, to the public libraries. Yes. Um, Number two, um, and I shared this with with the Bruja Batty crew, Bruja Batty's crew. Um, There was, there's a Filipino ethnomusicology textbook, or not textbook, maybe just like a collection of like research um, from UCLA and I was just like, okay, this is kind of cool. And I read the email. It was for free. And I was like, okay, I'm going to read about Hell Filipino yeah. ethnomusicology because in our culture, music is so important. And um, music is healing. So if you want that, uh, if you want that link, um, oh. Uh, I'll put it in the notes. 
in yes. the show notes. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll put that, uh, I'll, I'll resend the link to just in case. Um, so just look out for that link on our, on our social meds. Um, and then also, uh, send this podcast episode once it airs to your kapatids because mm-hmm. you're, you are not the only one affected by your parents. That's, that's all, all really good recommendations. And I'm hungry for chili dogs now. So it's, it's time in the evening. Suck it um, on a chili dog. <laughs> Suck it on a chili dog. Uh, my, my three recommendations are concepts, you know, look, look them up when you can, whenever you can, when you have the space, maybe when you are done with this episode, however. So number one, I want you to sincerely look up what PTSD is. You know, it's not just reserved for um, what happens to military or veterans. Look it up. Um, Number two, look up how to hold space for others and yourself. You know, sometimes we're the friend who soaks it all up and sometimes we're the friend who just takes up space learn the difference. And, oh my God, Jean's face is so <laughs> telling right now. <laughs> um, this is for uh, a person, but you know, that's between me and Nicole. We're, we're two bullies who, who just get it. <laughs> I, I would love to see your birth chart to see what your moon sign is. <laughs> I, I forgot, one of my interns told me. I think I'm a Virgo moon. I think I'm double Virgo. Um, and uh, lastly, one of the most famously great recommendations I can make is to wish Nicole a happy birthday by sending them things. Oh my gosh. Cash app and Venmo. We'll put it on the show notes. So, um, (laughs) you know, I know some of you are fans of Nicole. Don't be shy now. Um, (laughs) um, We need, we need a budget for our drag King um, project. (laughs) I already got the mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so closing up on our Are We Our Parents episode, this is Jean. This is Nicole. And this is Daniel. And we are a podcast to literally disappoint our parents. <laughs> Woohoo! Bye bye.